Welcome to the Accelerative Thrust Podcast. And right here is Dan. Hi, I'm Eric. <laughs> oh, I, you know, Sorry, I just... It wasn't very theatrical. <laughs> yeah, I kind of wanted to like sound like I was in show business or something for some reason. I, I, don't I liked know. it. I'm kind yeah. of in one of those. Uh, maybe we should have like music, like Wheel of Fortune type music to go in the background or something. Hmm. Yeah. All right. <laughs> <laughs> sounds, sounds like it would take a lot of work, though. Yeah, we'll figure it out. Yeah, we always do. Um, so uh, anyway, uh, just uh, to let all of you listeners know, Eric and I, uh, we uh, spent like, I don't know, what was it, like... 45 minutes or something last night or 45 hours i don't remember one of the two um something like that and yeah somewhere between 45 minutes and 45 hours uh talking about uh the format of this here show that you guys are listening to and uh so basically uh we have fun talking about uh the records and uh so we're gonna spend like the first i don't know 15, 20 minutes probably talking about three records a piece that we're into this week. And then today, uh, I'm suspecting this is probably going to be a little different each week, what the rest of the time is going to be spent doing, whether we have an interview or if we talk about something. But today, we are going to review a uh, EP that was just released on cassette, but it was released, what was it, two years ago, Eric? I think that's right. Yeah. Uh, Spectral Snake, of which Eric Whitaker, Mr. Eric Whitaker, may be a part of somehow. Is that yeah, correct? Yeah, sort of. <laughs> yes. So. Yeah, well, first off, let me say that we're not reviewing this because I play on it or anything <laughs> like that. I'm not on this recording at all. So, um, yeah, it's uh, my friend. Brooks Strauss and his partner Angie uh, Barr, and it's a project that they came up with. And we'll get into that when we actually talk about it. But um, yeah, uh, so I don't want it to seem like I'm just plugging things that I am involved in or whatever because I didn't play on this at all. So, but I have been playing live with the group uh, bass, and I assume that when it picks back up, I'll. Uh, retain my position in the company or as it were but i don't know for sure so anyway I just, as a disclaimer i am not on this recording and i'm not pushing my recordings so yeah and, <laughs> and that we won't yeah I exactly i mean <laughs> i mean we're i would review my own album like you know what yeah. I mean? just for the heck of it why not but um yeah no just uh to clarify yeah spectral snake is actually a project with um consisting of uh, Brooks Strauss and Angela Barr. And so they're the two masterminds behind Spectral Snake. Um, but yeah, yeah, uh, I I saw them live as a two-piece. Actually, um, one of my Im my improv bands, uh, Doomer Noomer Boomer, played with them a couple years ago. And it, it was, oh, fan cool. it was yeah. fantastic stuff. I think you... <sighs> If I remember right, I was talking to Brooks 
and you were possibly going to play that show, um, but you were unable to make it for whatever reason. Because it was around... Yeah, I'm really, I'm really good at finding reasons well, to, to, <laughs> to, play, to flake out on people. <laughs> to be it's like my one, one top quality, really. <laughs> you want a real big flake in your band? Give me a call. <laughs> there, there you go. Uh, he, uh, he's available for all kinds of uh, gigs. Um, yeah, all kinds of flaking out. <laughs> flaking out. Yeah, if you need a flaker, uh, he's available. Um, to me, when, I, when I quit the band, I'll write you a really nice letter <laughs> about why I have to quit and how I feel really bad about it, or which send, is actually true. <laughs> or send you a text. <laughs> One of the two. Yeah. Um, but no, I, I'm notorious for, um, for flaking, and uh, it's, you know, it's not good, but at least I know. At least I can tell people up front. You know? That's the important part. That's the important yeah. part is you're self-aware enough to say that. <laughs> but, um, uh, yeah. Oh, yeah. To be fair, though, it was around Thanksgiving. So, you know, that might have been the reason. I, I don't know. Who knows? Yeah. <laughs> like, yeah. like, like I said, like you said, uh, the you always find reasons so <laughs> yeah i'm sure it was something <laughs> i've been uh known to uh do that a time or two as well so um <laughs> it uh it's hard. it happens it happens life is hard <laughs> performing performing is so di- uh, difficult you know sometimes yeah. it it really is um okay so uh, with that being said, um, let's talk about what the music that, uh, we have been into this week. Um, do you want to do this the same way that we've been doing the, uh, last couple, three episodes sure. where I take a turn, I, uh, you take a turn or. Yeah. Oh. Yeah. I went first last time. So. Okay. I think you're up. All right. Sounds good. Um. So the first record that I've been into this week, I discovered um, from watching, uh, well, I discovered the band. I'd never even heard of them before this. Um, From watching a a little like four part mini series documentary about the um, garage rock explosion that was happening and sort of like the DIY underground a few years back, Mm -hmm. which we talked about Jay Riotard and La, uh, Lost Sounds, um, and you know, th- uh, stuff mm-hmm. like Ty Siegel and stuff like that. Um, mm-hmm. Really, really big. Uh, so just some of the names that come to mind. And um, so they touched upon those artists quite a bit in this like little documentary. It was uh, on the Noisy YouTube channel that I discovered this. And uh, one of the bands they talked about was this band called Human Eye. And uh, I immediately was interested in hearing this band because um, the music that they, uh, well, first they described the music as like science fiction, psychedelic garage rock, which immediately those descriptions appeal to me like right away. I don't even have to hear the music and I want to hear it, you know? Um, and, uh, they also showed some, uh, footage of this band, 
uh, recording on, um, I mean, not analog equipment, uh, but it was, uh, I think they had some sort of uh, digital multi-track, eight-track recorder. And I mean, this, this documentary was uploaded a few years back. So time mm -hmm. when it comes to technology like that is, you know, um, it, uh, it outdates itself very, very quickly. Um, quote unquote outdates itself. I hate to kind of use that term, mm -hmm. but, um, anyway, uh, and it just, it was interesting to me that this band was recording their albums on like that setup in like this little dinky garage or something or warehouse or wherever it was that they were recording it. And um, they weren't using like pro tools or anything like that. That kind of stuff. When you have like eye candy equipment like that around, I mean, it always catches my eye, but um, they showed some live performances of the band and the music just sounded crazy to me. So I looked up all of their albums. I've only gotten, um, through this album, which is their first album, the self-titled one. And yeah, I love it. It's just like spacey, psychedelic. I mean, the, the description science fiction garage rock, it fits perfectly uh, with it. Some, yeah. of, some of my favorite songs is the opening track, which is also called Human Eye, which has this really just brooding synth intro. Um, mm. And the synths are like almost... They almost sound primitive to me. Like they don't sound like your typical uh, synth, which I'm sure is a combination of the production value and and it's got kind of a spazzy quality to it and just um, interesting stuff. Uh, I really also like the song uh, Chew Raw Meat um, <laughs> mm. and Time Continuum is an interesting one. Extraterrestrial March and the singer's name, I don't, remember his last name, but I know his name is Timmy. He's been in several mm -hmm. other um, groups as well. Um, I can't remember the names, but he does a solo project called Timmy's Organism, which I kind mm -hmm. of listened to a little bit. And I guess he's kind of somewhat of a local legend in the Detroit garage music scene. So yeah, the guy with the um, kind of receding hairline. Yeah, yeah, he's he almost looks like um, he looks like a legend. <laughs> yeah, he looks like a legend. He almost looks like you remember uh, in the Ninja Turtles cartoon before Rocksteady mm -hmm. and Bebop uh, turned into the uh, Rhino and Warthog, like the uh, oh yeah the oh. punk sort of look. He kind of has that that sort of like you know I, I guess I, I guess intimidating look to him. Um, but, uh, it's, it's also just really cool. I think I really like it. And I, I don't know if that's, you know, um, I don't know if that look is, if he's kind of trying to look that way or, you know, some people just naturally yeah. kind of look intimidating and it's not a bad thing. Most, <laughs> most of the time I find that people who do look that way are just really awesome people anyway, you know? <laughs> I mean, don't, yeah. I, I'm serious. Like I've, I've met several people. Uh, I hope that didn't come off sounding like I was, you know, <laughs> picking on the guy. Cause that's not what my intent was at all. Uh, yeah. I, if you're listening to this by any chance, human eye guy, this, uh, your music, your music <laughs> is awesome. 
Yeah, I I agree. Uh, I really like this a lot. Um, I've never heard of it. I've never heard it. Uh, honestly, I'm I'm super glad that we've been doing this, where we kind of share with each other before the show, because I probably wouldn't have checked this out mm. to be honest, just from the cover and like even the first couple seconds of it, I would have probably been like, nah, not my thing. Yeah, but it's really good. It's super rock and roll based very i know that they're they say it's psychedelic garage rock and sci-fi and all that but to me this just sounds like that heavy detroit rock and roll like it just sounds like mc5 and the stooges uh it sounds a lot like blue cheer i think uh and it sounds a lot like the new york dolls so but with like punk and experimental and no wave and new wave and all that thrown in but at its core it just feels very much like that i don't know that detroit rock and roll kind of thing um yeah it's funny because i on my notes uh it, it just says production is very jay retard ish um which makes sense and i thought the vocals kind of sounded like david johansson from the dolls mixed with like David Yao, like when it would get to the like exasperated gasping and like uh, yelping and things like that. So I, it, it's super good. I really enjoyed it a lot. And the scents are cool. They're kind of like a cherry on the top though. I think that this to me just feels very rock and roll. So yeah, it's awesome. Yeah. I, I can agree with that. Uh, one thing I should also mention, uh, because they have four albums total um, that I can mm-hmm. find. And I have them all on a Spotify playlist together. And mm-hmm. this is the only one I've gotten through. And I guess, according to that documentary, um, mm-hmm. I guess that they, uh, starting around like the third album, I guess that they start mm-hmm. to become more almost like new wave-ish. You know, like, so um, I'm curious to hear the progression of you know how the band goes from this to that so i'm yeah i'm excited to delve into the further discography there's a very good possibility that each week there's going to be a different human eye record on this list for me (laughs) so yeah sweet all right you're up um so i feel like i should say that uh i am you're probably starting to figure out that I don't listen to music for fun anymore. Like <laughs> nothing I listen to is enjoyable. Oh, like I, 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 I would disagree with that statement. <laughs> I would it's, it's totally like disagree fun. with that. Like when I listened through your picks for this week, I was like, man, music is pretty fun. That's <laughs> weird. I totally forgot that that was a thing. So, uh, so before I get into my picks, they're all, they're all sad and boring, and uh, it doesn't mean they're not good. But it's <laughs> Eric selling his picks don't short, prepare, man. Don't prepare to dance. You are you are too. selling your picks <laughs> short, there, Eric. I thoroughly enjoyed each one uh, of your picks, and uh, <laughs> I will explain why. After well, uh, let's start with the least fun, in my opinion. Which of this list is honestly pretty hard to figure out to determine which is the least fun. But I'm going to go with um, Ganja Sufi, which is 
possibly the worst band name of all time. Uh, it's pretty dumb. But uh, the record is called Callus, and I don't know anything about Ganja Sufi. I guess I'm probably supposed to do some research before this, but um, this came up from uh, listening to The Bug, which is um, like a uh, dub, a heavy kind of grimy dub thing that I listen to, and I'll probably mention it a thousand times because I I listen to it a lot. Um, but anyway, through that, I found this. And it's basically uh, lo-fi hip-hop, I guess, but that's mostly in just the beats. There's a very common theme of the beats being sort of syncopated hip hop beats. Um, but on top of that is a lot of noise and a lot of synthesizers and things like that. But it's very lo-fi, everything. The vocals, the vocals remind me of something in between maybe like Tom York, uh, mixed with Marilyn Manson at times. Like it, it's very, um, tortured that like the whole record's very like meandering it it feels like someone that doesn't have a goal except to express their suffering uh so anyway <laughs> um i still think it's super interesting and i think that it's worth listening to especially if you're into kind of lo-fi hip-hop experimental which i don't think I think there's probably a lot of it out there, but it's it's kind of new to me. So I'm just sort of discovering that this could even be a thing. Um, I don't think the the guy who made it raps all that often. I guess that would be up for debate. I don't really know. But it, it has elements of like that screwed, uh, chopped and screwed uh, kind of feel to it, too. Uh, so anyway, yeah, the song I really, uh, I liked almost all of it. Uh, and it was hard to decide if I liked any of it more than any of the other stuff because it does kind of all run in, run together into this kind of, yeah, just kind of a meandering, like I said. Uh, but I really like the song Krishna Punk. I thought that was cool. Um, yeah. Uh, anyway, I don't know what you thought, Dan. Did, I freaking what? love this, man. It was okay. um, very, like... Uh, I totally see what you were saying about um, it almost sounds at times like um, the way uh, it was it was very like I almost feel like this is one of the most punk rock things I've ever heard in my life. Um, no. If you're talking about just what punk rock is, the essence of it, you know, the definition of it, because it at times it really just sounded like. He, some guy who just kind of was, he just hit record and then was just like, take me wherever you're going to take me with this thing I'm creating. Does that make sense? Yeah, I think so. It really, it really has definitely an outsider feel to it. It's like if Daniel Johnston was, I don't know, uh, noisier, you know, or a hip hop artist or something. I don't know. It, but it definitely has that feel, like you said, of just hitting record on a tape recorder. Yeah, it really just sounded almost childlike in its approach, like mm -hmm. like it was deconstructing music, which we've kind of talked about. And it mm -hmm. kind of 
put me in mind of like kind of stuff like um I'm noticing that there's almost like when you're when you talk about like how your music that you've been listening to and this is just mm. an observation um is like almost like uh <laughs> like like not fun to listen to um yeah <laughs> I I I think it's because a lot of the stuff that you listen that that you you listen to is like deconstructed music that is like um it's it's so like fire tools and amnesia scanner mm-hmm. and stuff like that ganja sufi they all share this sort of like just mm-hmm. um approach of just going at it and just pure creativity for it's like the most generic description I can, I can think of there, but it just, it just, this kind of stuff oozes like, and this is the kind of stuff, just like you said with human eye, if we weren't doing this, I wouldn't give this stuff Mm -hmm. the time of day, you know? But now that I'm listening to this kind of stuff, it's, it's freaking, oh man, there's like, six songs in a row in the middle of the record or I I don't remember which ones they are, but they're each only like a minute and a half long at the most. And I'm going to say it's like the kill Prince of sin, Krishna punk elephant man. And I know the conspiracy that one I really liked. Um, and probably poltergeist. I have the track list right here, but those like, in and of themselves were just, it blew me away how it just went from like, you know, what, uh, how they just kind of played off of each other, each of those tracks. And at times yeah, it sounded like to me, if like the bad brains were doing like deconstructed, like, um, like techno music or something, I keep using that term yeah, deconstructed. Sure. I can't, think of any other way it's like i think i think that's accurate though i think that um and like you said about it not being fun necessarily i think you're on to something there it's like a lot of the music i listen to is too kind of too busy taking it all apart to like actually enjoy itself Mm. (laughs) you know what i mean yeah it's not like this is not the kind of record you're going to put on at the club or yeah. if you go and see like this group live. Now, is it a group or is it a, or is it a single guy? I don't really know. Yeah, um, I think it is just a guy. Okay. Yeah. If you go, but I don't know if they. I don't know if uh, they play out or if they have a group or if he's a DJ. Like I have no idea. So yeah, I know that he was involved. I did just a little bit of like looking up because it piqued my curiosity and he was involved with some sort of hip hop crew before he started doing this. Uh, blows my mind. Um, and I'd like to, I'd like to investigate his history and hear some masters of the universe. Masters of the universe. Yes. Which is a fucking awesome name for a hip hop crew. I I can only imagine what that's going to sound like. And I hope I'm right. I hope I'm right. Imagine I'm going to look that up. Um, Ganja Sufi, man. Um, yeah. Check this stuff out. If you're into, if, if you guys listen to our playlists and you liked what you heard from like Eric's picks of like 
the deconstructed kind of stuff like amnesia scanner, fire tools. And yeah, this so far, this might actually be one of my favorite picks that you've shown me. Nice. I, I love this. Um, I had no idea what someone else would think of it. No, I, I love it. <laughs> I, I love I love pop music. Like I love, you know, just tr- kind of, you know, traditional pop music. But I mean, I love stuff that is just out there as well. Like, yeah, I feel like if Frank Zappa uh, were just starting out, this is the kind of stuff he'd probably be doing. I can see that. Yeah. 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 So, um, sure. okay. So, uh, yeah, you're up. Uh, let me see which one which one am i gonna do here i think next i'm gonna do swan's filth and okay i want to say that okay swans is a band that i've known about for years i know people who are just obsessed with this band they have they seem to have a very obsessive fan base um the people who like swans really like swans otherwise you hate them like, I don't think there's anybody that can say, <laughs> I kind of like swans. They're pretty good. You know, they're okay. They're not bad. No, they're either freaking amazing or fucking horrible. That's, that, those are the two types of people that when they react to swans, those are the two types of reactions, I think. Um, and it makes sense because of what swans do. I mean, they're not, they're not a, a commercial sounding band at all. Never have been. Um, but this, this is their debut album, which I think came out in like 1983. I didn't know this, but I guess that, um, Thurston Moore played second bass in Swans when they first started out. Wow. So there were two bass players, um, (laughs) in Swans. I don't think he played on this record. Um, one of the reasons why I, um, checked out Swans though, is because I saw the trailer to the new well, it's not new. I guess it's a few years old now. But um, it's called Where Does a Body End? And it's a mm-hmm. almost three-hour documentary on swans. And then I have a friend, one of my friends who is super, super um, into swans. His name is Chris, and he lives in um, New Mexico. Uh, he um, told me that uh, the documentary was really fantastic. And uh, even though I wasn't, a big fan, not because I don't like them, but because I just never really listened to them. I should check it out. So I did. And then after that, I was like, well, yeah, okay. I got to check this band out. So I made a Spotify playlist and, uh, this is just like human eye. And the fact that I've only gotten through the first album, but Swans have, they're very prolific. They have several other albums. Um, and this, uh, this is one that I listened to a couple times this week. And I really like it. It's just straight up, like, noise, very aggressive. Well, it's not straight up noise. There's almost a hint of melody in it at times. But it definitely mm-hmm. is meant to be um, very abrasive and I think kind of get under your skin. And I can, you know, there's a lot of mythology behind Michael Gira, who is the brainchild of swans that, he sort of was um, trying to dig deep into the underbelly of darkness of the human condition or whatever it is that he's he was searching for in 1983 when he made a record like this. But um, 
I don't remember what song it is, but I want to say it's track four, Power for Power, which is really interesting. One of the biggest influences on this band was actually Howlin' Wolf. And uh, I guess that um, Howlin' Wolf, I haven't really listened to much Howlin' Wolf, but I guess he kind of had a, a very minimalist approach to the beats that he played with his blues guitar. And I guess that one of the drum beats is almost like a, I don't want to say ripoff, but it, it, they, they borrowed heavily from a song that Howlin' Wolf did called Evil, which is oh, yeah. very fitting for the Swans. If <laughs> It might be the song Freak. I'm not really sure. But in any case, uh, the first track, Stay Here, fantastic. The bass, uh, it heavily reminds me of like early Big Black. Um, just the production, I mean, and that's really kind of what this, this particular album, uh, while I do think it's awesome, I definitely do hear like the year 1983 in it. I think it's a record of its time, which is not a bad thing. And that's not to say that it's outdated and doesn't sound great today, but I definitely hear that in the production. Um, big, strong boss. Uh, was another one that made an impression on me. But yeah, this is kind of one of those bands too that um, I'm kind of surprised I didn't get into when I was younger because uh, I guarantee if I would have heard this when I was 17, I would have ate it all up. Uh, so yeah, Swan's Filth, that's my second pick. Sorry about that, folks. Um, uh, I'm not sure if you guys are going to notice a difference in audio or not, but I figured I would let you guys know that... Uh, Eric and I got cut off because my uh, internet connection is uh, wonky during this cold weather. And so um, if there is a difference in audio quality at this point, uh, that's the reason why. Okay, um, so uh, as I mentioned, um, the Swan's Filth record was my second choice. Eric, what did you think of the uh, Swan's Filth record? Yeah, so um, like you mentioned uh, earlier, Yesterday. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, uh, yeah. A lot of people that we know love swans and are obsessed with it, with them. And uh, I have heard, I look, uh, cop and uh, something like that. Yeah. And, uh, uh, and I've heard uh, the seer. Um, okay. Because I got yep. that record from... Sean. Sure. And so I'd heard those two records, which span a lot of time. Uh, yeah, Cop slash Young God is the one I've heard. So the one right after this. Um, so I kind of knew what to expect. Uh, and I wasn't that surprised. It's, uh, you know, very noise-oriented, very sludgy and heavy. Um the only thing, and I can see how it inspired millions of bands or whatever, all the way from like Godflesh to Prong to even probably like elements of Nick Cave and stuff. Like, you know, but the, what I can't figure out is where it came from. Like, I, I obviously I don't know everything in the world about music and the whole history of uh, noise music and. Uh, extreme music or whatever but I don't know a lot of things that sound like this like uh, Throbbing Gristle I can hear probably was a, an influence 
and Einstein Day Neubauten, I'm sure, was a big influence. But yeah, it seems like it just kind of came out of nowhere. And I'm sure there are people listening who would be like, oh, you're an idiot. <clears throat> it came directly from this one thing or whatever. But uh, yeah, it seems very forward thinking and original to me. Uh, the other thing, too, is that it seems almost uh, deliberate. Like when you say noise, and especially mentioning the Sonic Youth connection, I think what comes into people's heads are these sprawling noise scapes, you know, where it's like uh, kind of directionless. And I think with Swans, it's very deliberate. Like this is very technical. It's very on the beat, you know, and I think that's interesting. I think that's different than a lot of things they were inspired by and inspired, um, which makes me think of things like prong, you know, where it's just like, or even helmet, you know, those kind of things where it's like, let's take heavy music and make it real chopped up and deliberate. So I, yeah, I loved it. I'm going to try to dive into this discography. They have like 15 real records and yeah, tons of live ones. And so that, you know, that's what's always kind of stopped me from getting into it. Yes. It's like, where do you start? And from what I've heard, they change a lot, you know? Yes. Um, and so, yeah, I had heard um, uh, Angels of Light, uh, which I liked a lot. I had also heard a lot of uh, M. Jarrah's stuff, uh, again, through Sean. And one of the tracks was him fighting with his wife, like in real life, and like he recorded it. Yeah. And I always thought, like, that was just so disturbing. Like, I don't know if I've heard a recording as disturbing. Maybe, I mean, it's going to be close. But, you know, so I've always had this, like, lots of reasons not to get into <laughs> swans. But, um, yeah, I think I'll, I'll continue to check them out. So, uh, to your yeah, point, to your choice. point, to your point, real quick, um, when you talk about where this came from and how it's, uh, it seems deliberately, like clearly, Michael Guerra had a vision of where he wanted to take this music when he wrote it back in like 1983, and mm -hmm. it is interesting. You have a really good point there because it basically came out of like the 1980s skronk New York scene, which mm -hmm. something like Swans, it makes no sense that right. it came out of that. Uh, but that is, I think, I think you just clarified in my head, the big black comparison because yeah, big black is kind of the same way, but in a much different way where mm -hmm. Steve Albini had a deliberate, uh, vision for sure uh, of basically just trying to be as dark, brooding, and as uh, insanely aggressive as possible. Primitive, yeah. like it's primitive. And uh, sure. the only difference that I can say uh, is that um, I think you're onto something when you say, where the hell did this come from? Because with Big Black, it actually makes, considering geography and that big black came out of Chicago and there's kind of like uh, the connection to like, say like uh, ministry and, 
kind yeah. you know, yeah. stuff like that. Uh, it makes more sense. The whole wax tracks thing. The, yeah, the whole wax tracks. They did perfect. Yeah. It makes more sense yeah. that Big Black came out of that that town, even though I guess Albini pretty much despised that whole thing. That whole like oh, yeah. wax tracks industrial stuff. Uh, huh. At least accounts. Wow. I guess that he wrote a review of um, uh, like the first ministry record, the one that was uh, New Wave. With Sympathy? Yeah, yeah, basically it was a Duran Duran record. And I guess that he like wrote a review in like his fanzine and like yeah. basically said that if he um, ever sees that this is this is uh, what I heard that if he ever sees Al Jorgensen, he's going to like you know, exercise extreme violence on him or something like just for making a record that was so, uh, just awful. Um, I, you know, you'll never get him to admit he made it. So it doesn't really matter. (laughs) Yeah, that's true. That's true. At this point, um, (laughs) at this point he, uh, doesn't Al Jorgensen, doesn't he like, uh, he basically says it's like the record company made him do it sort of thing. Yeah, he, he well, I mean, he pretended it didn't even exist for the longest time. Now, sure. now at least he admits it's real. Yeah, he it, hates it or whatever. I think it's pretty good. Like, it's, I mean, it's bad. But it's, <laughs> as, it's as good as anything else that was trying to do that at that moment. Yeah, I mean, you know? it, it basically just sounded like another record from like, it sounded almost like a mediocre version of like Duran Duran or something. You know, yeah, or, it was a little angrier. I yeah, I, I guess, I guess, I guess. I don't know. I guess almost I like a fake. To me, that with sympathy is hated, while pretty hate machine is adored. Like, well, but... not. <laughs> I mean, don't get me wrong. I love pretty hate machine, and it is much better than with sympathy. But one being considered terrible, and one being considered a masterpiece. I'm like, eh, I don't know. It was kind of in the same vein. Yeah, a little bit. I think I think Trent Reznor had found uh, his anger earlier than Al Jorgensen did with, like, I yeah. mean, just straight up anger. Like, you know what I mean? Like, right. with sympathy, still kind of seemed like he was trying to write Cure songs or something like that. Yeah, for sure. Trent yeah. Reznor was I, I, into that stuff, but clearly, early on, from head like a hole on, Trent Reznor mm-hmm. was just about not having fun and being depressed and angry like from the get-go i mean that's yeah you're not that's why ring finger is the best nine inch nail song which one is that is that that's off a pretty hate machine too isn't it yeah it's the last one okay real techno it's it's good it's just like a four on the floor uh 909 bass drum you know um that's that that kind of puts me in mind i was listening to straight out of compton not that long ago the first nwa record because i realized that i'd never really heard much beyond the singles okay what's crazy is that there are actually like old school africa bombada style like songs on that record like really when you actually listen to that record from beginning to end like a lot of it isn't really as vulgar as like fuck the police and mm. and there's actually songs that sound like they could belong on um that they could belong on like an africa bombada or like a well the last song i think uh features egyptian lover or no arabian oh, yeah. arabian prince excuse me arabian prince oh, okay. um and it's yeah it's it like like it's called something to dance to 
Yeah. <laughs> like, and that's I'm going to have to check it out. Yeah, yeah it's crazy. And I then, don't think I've listened to the whole record either. The second so. NWA record, um, which I'm not going to say the title of, uh, but um, the second NWA record uh, is um, uh, way more vulgar than the first one, than Straight Outta Compton. Like, way more vulgar. It's like, seriously, it's like some of the most misogynistic homophobic hip-hop I've ever uh, heard. Uh, anyway, on a, on another... That must be easy for the most part, then. <laughs> well, yeah, yeah. Well, that was the record that Ice Cube, Ice Cube quit. And so that was the record they made without Ice Cube. And yeah, that was probably Easy e that did a lot of the writing for that record. Yeah, some say that uh, some say that that's actually um, Dr. Dre's kind of like hidden masterpiece. Like, there's there's actually a lot of a lot of critics actually think that that one actually the production on the second NWA record was actually what kind of jump started the G Funk. A lot of people point oh, wow. to the, point to the Chronic for that, but. Mm-hmm. That second NWA record is the one that a lot of people say. Huh. Uh, I think I, if you want to, for lack of a better way to describe them, true hip hop heads. But anyway. Yeah. Um, huh. So, yeah. Cool. Uh, I'll check that out. It's interesting. I'll check them both out. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> and so that kind of reminded me when you described Pretty Hate Machine, how, you know, <laughs> it's maybe not as, like, looking back on it, it's maybe not as... Cause he got really like much more aggressive with like broken and yeah. downward spiral. I mean, yeah, I, I think I actually like pretty hate machine the most at this point. Do you I really? don't, I mean, it, it's the first one I heard and I heard sure. it like when it came out. And so I think that always makes a difference. Absolutely. I think whatever the first thing you heard by a group is usually your favorite. That even if it sucks. That, you know? That's usually how it works. Even if everyone else is like, that's the worst one. You're like, no, nope, sorry, that's the one I like. That's that's so. the one that I like, yeah. No, that right. happens quite a bit, actually. Okay, so yeah. we're on, uh, forgive me, but were we on your second or your third pick? Second. Second, yeah. okay. So we got we to gotta stop talking about Nine Inch Nails. And, and, uh, and NWA. <laughs> and NWA. So <laughs> yeah. Uh, so, yeah, uh... Go with. Uh, let's take it away from kind of aggressive stuff for a second. Uh, so my second choice is called. It's a. It's okay. It's a soundtrack, but the movie was never made. It doesn't actually exist. So, it's called "You're Not From Around Here." Uh, soundtrack. It's various artists. Um, so yeah, the idea is that this was made for a movie called You're Not From Around Here in like 1964 or something, uh, like a film noir type thing. And uh, actually Joe from Peanut Ricky told me about this because um, somehow we have super close tastes as far as music goes. Mm-hmm. And so whenever Joe tells me, hey, check this out, I know that I'm going to really, it's going to going to be right up my alley like without a doubt so um uh it's mostly just twangy uh 50s kind of um yeah kind of noir ish it's dark music uh but yeah there's lots of different artists on here um some of them are 
from the 60s and some of them aren't. I don't think they were too concerned with people figuring out that this wasn't a real soundtrack. But whenever I need like some inspiration uh, for some deep, twangy, tremolo kind of sound and stuff, I can just go to this soundtrack, basically pick an artist and dive into their um, discography. It's like, it's more like a, a compilation at its core. Um, so yeah, it, it has people, let's see, um, Charlie Majero, um, who Joe also introduced me to, the song Tomorrow's Gone from the album Tomorrow's Gone, which is phenomenal. You should check that out too. But yeah, there's lots of people on here. Most of them I don't know. So, but yeah, it's a real moody uh, collection. And um, yeah, I think it's a lot of fun. So yeah, that's about I, it, I guess. <laughs> it, I, I thoroughly enjoyed listening to it. I, I'm a sucker for oldies and like reverb and songs that sound like they were recorded underwater. And uh, yeah. so this definitely has a lot of that because there's a lot of twangy reverb. The the vocals uh, on the songs that aren't instrumentals are mm. just beautiful. Um, but the guitar on the first track in particular, and I don't, I, I, I'm sorry, I don't have the track list with me. What's uh, a song for Mary? Yeah, a song it? for Mary. Yeah. That, oh my gosh, the mm. guitar. That's one of the things that blew me away about this right off the bat the production on this thing was killer i mean yeah it just it really set the mood and it really did make you think that you were like walking around in black and white in a detective yeah. movie or or i don't know what what kind of movie soundtrack or what kind of movie it was i mean i would assume like like you you say noir so like you know yeah. i'm i'm thinking like you know black and white detective movies or something, you know? Um, yeah, pretty much. I think that's the idea. Yeah. yeah. And it's just, it's, it's fantastic. Um, one of the things that I thought was interesting is the title of one of the songs is dark side of the moon. And yeah. I wonder if pink Floyd got inspiration, uh, from that. Cause that, I mean, the, well, that's the thing now that that's by Eddie Bales and the Cadillacs. Mm -hmm. Uh, but there's no really no way to know, without doing some research if that's new or if yeah it's yeah like maybe maybe so. it like yeah that's true um because i were the songs actually recorded like in the 60s or no oh no, they I mean, weren't maybe okay. some of them uh these are all pulled from different things so and i only know that because of the charlie magera song or magera song is from the album Tomorrow's Gone, and it's that recording. So okay. I would assume they just collected all these from other records, but the the tone and aesthetic and atmosphere are so similar in the collection that it does flow as if it were recorded, you know, all together. Yeah, basically. I mean that's that's what it sounds. It sounds like like the perfect like full length album from like the 1960s or something, you know, yeah. it's so good. Um, yeah. Yeah. I, I'm a sucker for this kind of music. I don't listen to it a lot. I don't listen to a lot of this stuff, but when I do hear it, it makes me think about, it makes me remember kind of in a weird sort of way why I fell in love with music in the first place. Cause uh, some, sometimes awesome. you just, sometimes you just need to um, hear something that's not so crazy 
You know what I mean? Like sometimes you yeah. just need to kick back and you just need to hear like, and then, then it kind of makes me remember how awesome soundtrack music can really be, you know, like, right. uh, but this, it almost doesn't even sound like, I mean, you know, it, it like, you know, like I said, I, I think of this album as more of like a, uh, like a full length album. It's definitely a compilation, you know? Right. It's yep. very, very, very good stuff. Yeah. I was, I really like this pick, Eric. Very, very good stuff. Cool. If you want to check out things that like this is similar to, or uh, maybe even based on, mm-hmm. uh, maybe I shouldn't share this and you can edit it out if it's a mistake. But I have a playlist on Spotify called Dreamy Twang Town. <laughs> <laughs> That's it. And it's about five hours of 50s and 60s uh, mellow twang music. So, wow. <laughs> <laughs> wow! Yeah. That's... Go ahead and find that uh, and, uh, and give it a listen. <laughs> I may, I may do that. Um, <laughs> no. uh, but um, okay, so now uh, we're on to my my last pick now, aren't we? Yep. Okay, so this this is probably my favorite record that I listened to this week, or la- well, I guess at this point it's last week, um, but. Uh, <laughs> Anyway, we're going to call it this week, uh, I think. But um, anyway, Nodal, Dawn of the Butterfly. You remember this band, Eric? Oh, yeah. I was um, obsessed with Nodal. Uh, so is this the first time you heard this album? Uh, yes, it is. Okay. Yep. Yeah, see, I, I knew for a long time that they made a second record, um, mm-hmm. but I never saw it anywhere. Uh because you know, I bought the White Hole. Uh, just a real quick context here. Um, Eric and I were at the same show that Nodal played with opening up for Manor Astro Man and mm-hmm. uh, Bob Log the Third. It was like yeah, the craziest lineup I've ever seen. Uh, it but was one of the best shows I've ever been to. Strangely, <laughs> it was it was so fitting for what Manor Astro Man is as well. Though. Yeah. Um. And uh, Nodal was like this. I mean, they were basically like if Kraftwerk and like uh, Daniel Johnston, and I only say that. Well, no, okay. I think a better a better um, comparison would be Ween. Like if Kraftwerk and Ween formed a band together, uh, because. They were just so silly. I remember, like, the uh, singer and bass player uh, kept saying they were from France, which they Mm -hmm. clearly weren't. And I can only assume that that was a reference to, like, Air, because Air was, like, super big at the time. And (laughs) they were wearing these white lab suit type things. It was very, like, robotic and had a very Devo feel to it. So they put out a record called The White Hole, which I bought at that show. And I think pretty mm-hmm. much everyone in our circle of friends did because yeah. they were just blown away. And the first album was just really like um, hilarious. It was, it was mm-hmm. so fun to listen to. And, and I mean, there, there are songs on it. Like every other song has their band name in it. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like nodal dance party, nodal on tour. Um <laughs> 
you know, it, it was just it was just awesome. But it was just really silly, and it was almost like a it was like an homage to like '80s new wave aesthetic, but also being really ridiculous. But it wasn't like making fun of it. You know, that's kind of how I saw yeah. it. Um, and that first release is one of my favorite albums in my entire CD collection. I, I still have it. I still listen to it at least probably two or three times a month. And it has <laughs> since I bought wow. it. I mean, I love, I love it. Uh, Dawn of the Butterfly is no different. Um, this, I, I found this in the used section at Record Collector not too long after that show. Uh, I mean, it was probably a couple years because I'm assuming this record came out a couple years after. Um, and I bought it, and from the moment I put it in, I listened to it, and I fell in love with this record. I At first, I didn't like it as good as the first album. Now I like it worlds better. Like, not to put down the first album at all because, like I said, I really like it. But both of these nodal records I listen to on a semi-regular basis. But this this record, I just, I love the songs. I think the song mm-hmm. structures got really, really good on this record. Mm-hmm. And there's so much, like, use of, like, synthesizer and just, uh, it just sounds like they're having a blast singing these songs. Yeah. But one of the things that I like about this record, too, is that it's it, it it's not all just... Whereas, like, the first record, that humor was all over that record, and that's pretty much what Mm -hmm. that was. Almost to the point that it almost felt like they were, it was, it was like novelty or something. But it wasn't, you know what I mean? It wasn't, it didn't feel like they were, Right. maybe they were making fun of the idea of novelty or something, you know? But, like, Mm -hmm. with Dawn of the Butterfly, like, this is to me, a very complete band and a complete record. Like, mm-hmm. there's songs on here that are still goofy as hell, like the first track, Dawn of the Butterfly. Uh, yeah. And there's, like, you know, um, uh, there's so many, like, uh, so many goofy songs, you know. Um, uh, but then there's also a song called um, I Told You I Love You, which, I mean, it just, it's one of the most gorgeous, like, almost, like, new wavy type songs i've ever heard you know and it just i just love that there's like some really great sense of melody i mean the the goofiness is still there for sure i mean the last track i didn't know this i had this record for so many years and i just found out last week that the last track kingdom come is a man of war cover yeah like i just found that out like because i i was looking when i was listening to this and I decided I was going to put this record on this mm-hmm. list. I just looked inside it and it said Kingdom Come by so and so and then I looked up who that was and I was mm-hmm. like, "Oh my god, this is Man of War." And so I listened See, I don't think that one's on the Spotify. The Man of War song? Yeah. Uh yeah, probably isn't. I yeah, I don't yeah, know. So. But um <laughs> it uh man their version is awesome um <laughs> and there's even some songs on here that aren't really the electronic new wave there's there's a couple of songs on here um that really just they're mm-hmm. kind of almost like jangly indie you know with maybe a little bit of keyboards 
But like, right. I don't know, there's a song on here called Red that I really like. Uh, Nodal Blaster is really good. Um, I mean, it's just it's just a fun record. And yeah, no, it, it was a huge influence on me. Like, Nodal still... But and the thing about it that's kind of frustrating but awesome at the same time is mm-hmm. they just disappeared. Like, I've looked see any updates if like nodal ever put out any more records if there's any like live footage or something on youtube nope they just put out these records uh this one's on spotify the white hole's not on spotify i did track down that there was a label that signed them in like the late 90s that put out an ep before the first album the white hole and um Mm. that is on spotify as well for some reason, that EP is on Spotify, and so is this album. But the White Hole's wow. not on Spotify for some reason. Huh. So, yeah. I don't know. But Maybe. it's really <laughs> interesting. I mean, it's like, yeah, like I said, uh, Kraftwerk meets Ween and Devo thrown in. I mean, that would be how I would describe it. And I only say, I pretty much only say Ween because of the humor more than anything else. Oh, for sure. Yeah. So. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. I... I don't know, without going down too much of a rabbit hole here, uh, at the time that we saw Nodal, uh, I was in a new wave band uh, that wore white suits and played synthesizers. And I, I never, <laughs> there were a lot of, never, a lot of bands that we felt a connection to just through the synthesizers and stuff, like <laughs> The Fate and The and, uh, Pulsars. And the rentals, and Devo, and things like that. But it wasn't until we saw Nodal we were like, "Well, what the fuck are we gonna do now?" <laughs> like, <laughs> yeah. They took everything we were doing, and so um, it was like, it was like when you 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 know have a have one of those moments where you realize, we're, this isn't happening in a vacuum. Like people can find the same influences and do the same thing with it without ever having seen each other or known each other or met each other and so yeah i can't really say enough about nodal it was like for me it was um it was almost like retribution it was like see you all hated us and but here's this other band who's into it and they're doing the same thing so (laughs) like obviously it's not shitty so whatever um but yeah i i missed this record because um that band had kind of stopped doing things and I was on to a different band that was more like old timey music, you know, like pretty big jump, obviously. Right. But, right. Um, and so I wasn't really listening to as much. You, uh, sit, sit you, stuff at that moment. You play, so, mu- you play music, Eric. I never would have guessed. Yeah. Yeah, I know. Right? <laughs> um, but yeah, it, uh, that show with man or Astro man, um, uh, it's in my, probably my top, 10 if not top five yeah favorite show time so it was man or was astro man man yeah. that, that was what a band to see live sorry to interrupt yeah no not at all that was awesome so yeah this was a lot of fun it was like um yeah it reminded me of trans am and uh craft work like you said uh the vocoding's great uh yeah it's just a super fun record and you should probably listen to it if you like synths and vocoders and fun and, and it's not <laughs> if you don't and yeah and, and, and it's not it's also <laughs> like 
if you like if you like synths and you like that stuff but you don't like i don't know say like add into x or something or like something that's a little more i guess outrageous you know like right. uh crazier like like this record is actually a pretty it's got craziness with the synthesizers and some experimentation but it's also like it's very much like a pop record kind of you know like a pop yeah for sure uh you know it's it's very catchy and honestly i in in a in a in a right world this this would be like you know top 40 music yeah right. <laughs> you know but like that's yeah, obviously sure. not going to happen one thing that i want to point out i actually um uh i saw an ad for this album after I got it in an old like CMJ magazine or something yeah. at a used bookstore. And the mm -hmm. ad actually said the best band in the world. And that was the quote, the best band in the world. And the quote was from Trans Am. <laughs> <laughs> so like Trans, right. Trans Am like knew about these guys. And that makes sense. Uh, yeah, it totally does. <laughs> but yeah, I love how they just, how it just said the best band in the world, Trans Am. <laughs> like, and what's funny is most of the people who saw that ad were like, who, the car? They, I mean, yeah. <laughs> Trans Am's barely any bigger than Nodal, you know? No, yeah, I mean, basically. A little bit. But. Yeah, maybe a little bit. They have, they have like, their own, their, their own, like, cult following that are, yeah. that's crazy about them. Um, but yeah, yeah, they're not. Trans Am's another, like, they're, they're fantastic as well. But yeah, they they definitely sure. do a lot of like crazy oddball, you know mm -hmm. like it definitely is not as, um you know I guess st structured as as nodal it's not as, I or I maybe I should say that's structure is not the word I'm looking for it's like uh, not as conventional as nodal when it comes to the song structures. For you sure, know, it's yeah. it's not Trans Am's definitely not verse chorus verse although. That one record, Red Line, and that song, I Want It All. Oh, hell yeah. Oh, that's my great... gosh. Like, yeah. that's that's actually, like, one of the best opening tracks. Like, the, well... I agree. I mean, yeah. ever. It's so good. So good. Um, yeah. Okay, yeah. So, uh, we're on to your last pick. Cool. So, my last pick is uh, an album called Terminus by... Jesu or Jesu. I've never heard anyone else actually say it, but I've heard more people say Jesu, I guess, or Jesu. Doesn't matter. J E S U. Um, it's Justin Broderick from Godflesh. Um, it, it, if you've listened to Jesu, this isn't going to be that surprising. Um, they're considered ambient metal, but I don't think that actually makes any sense or applies. Like when I think of ambient metal, I just think of kind of like sun. O and things like that. Um, right. And earth maybe to an extent. Uh, and, and that's all awesome, of course, but Jason is pretty different. I think they're really trying to make pretty music. You know, they're trying to tap into something a little different, which, uh, the melodic elements of heaviness, I guess. Um, uh, yeah, so I first listened to these guys. Uh, Silver was the first thing I heard, and that's an EP, and it's gorgeous. Uh, but this one just came out last year, and it 
it follows a lot of the same structures, long, sprawling pieces, you know, it's heavy guitars a lot of the time. But this one had a lot more electronics and a lot more like vocal processing. Um, it's, uh, I didn't find it as sad feeling as the other stuff I've heard from Jesu. Um, it, I'm not going to say it's upbeat by any means, but uh, it it didn't seem quite as desolate, even though the cover is basically just like some trees in the snow. It's like very desolate. But anyway, um, yeah, it's, I don't know what you'd call it. It's heavy music, but it's pretty. Um, it takes its time and you can really kind of uh, wrap yourself up in it. So, yeah. That's all I have to say about that, I guess. Yeah, um, yeah. I mean, uh, I've uh, I I have some friends that are crazy about Jay Sue and um, God Flesh, and uh, you know they kind of fit into that whole sort of ISIS sort of you know. I guess you could say ambient metal. I agree with you on the ambient metal thing. I think they're as ambient metal as as much as the Deftones are ambient metal. You know, because I've heard like Deftones be called that as well. And that never made sense to me um, either. But Jesu are definitely like, I. what I would say is I would say they're almost like uh, if Radiohead's OK Computer was a metal record or something, you know? Sure, I can see that. Um, yeah. The thing about, and, and, and yeah, it's totally not a, I've heard Jesu before. And this totally was not a departure from anything I heard before. I think what I heard before was good. I think this was fantastic. The thing that I will say that absolutely blew my mind was mm. that first track, When I Was Small. That guitar riff and that bass line, it mm. almost, I mean, it almost brought tears to my eyes because it was so, oh, yeah. so gorgeous. Um, yeah. And the, and the, and the, the vocals, I mean, it just, yeah, no, it was, it's very, very, very good stuff. This is the kind of stuff that I listen to when I'm like in the mood for this kind of stuff, you know? Sure, right. When I'm yeah. in the mood for something that's dark and it may not be because I had a bad day or anything like that. It may be because I'm just, maybe I had a wonderful day, but I want to be angry. <laughs> you know, or I want to be depressed or I want to be, you know what I mean? Like if, if, if that might not make any sense, uh, but, yeah. uh, oh, I get it anyway. Like, um, yeah, no, uh, fantastic stuff. I mean, if you're into, um, stuff like death heaven, uh, or death haven, is that, did I say that right? Death heaven, death heaven. Are you familiar with that sure. band? No. Okay. No. Uh, what about lethargy? No, I okay. don't know that either. Maybe these are bad comparisons. Um, oh, I don't know. I just, yeah, I no, I, 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 well, I don't, I don't really know either. They might be perfect. I they, they, <laughs> yeah, they might be. Um, Boris, some of the stuff that Boris does, it kind of reminded me of a little bit. Have you heard much Boris? Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah when Boris kind of gets a little dreamy, like it's almost like mm -hmm. shoegaze metal. You know, it's kind that's, of yeah. I think that's a great description for yeah. yeah. Sho Shoegazy metal, like like if Hum or My Bla Bloody Valentine uh, started playing like hardcore, you know, or something like that. It's really, really great stuff. And uh, Ooh, yeah, I mean, yeah. Uh, 
and I hear that in like those, and I haven't I haven't really heard much Death Heaven or Lethargy, but what I've heard kind of puts me in mind of this sort of scene that is kind of, I don't even want to call it scene. I guess I would just call it just a bunch of bands that are kind of doing this. And I think Justin Broderick, he's like a veteran to this kind of style, you know? Oh, for sure. And so yep. I think JC was probably a huge influence on a lot of those bands that I mentioned. Mm-hmm. So yeah, uh, yeah, if you're into that kind of stuff, JC, this really, really excellent stuff. But yeah, that first track was by far my favorite on the whole thing. Nice. I loved it. Yeah, I really liked the song called Give Up as well, the last one. It it was probably the most electronic of the record, in my opinion. For sure. But uh, but that's cool, too. You know, why not? Yeah, no, absolutely, absolutely. <laughs> the gatekeepers of metal probably aren't into it, but Justin Broderick gets to do what he wants, you know. Are there, are there really gatekeepers of metal still? Well, I'm sure. I'm sure someone out there is like, oh, this isn't even heavy metal you know oh yeah okay i get what you're saying or whatever or like yeah yeah this isn't happy or yeah sure yeah yeah, no that's that's true i'm sure that probably started all the like could you i'm i i I still wonder what a lot of the uh thrash fans from the 90s and stuff thought about like some of the um like early screamo bands like something like orchid Mm -hmm. or something you know Mm -hmm. have you ever listened to any of that kind of stuff I've listened to stuff like that. I, I don't think I've listened to them. Okay. But yeah. Like, it always interested me, like, because those bands, some of those bands were, like, just really, really, like, terrifying, terrifyingly heavy. Like, almost yeah. bordering on black metal, you know? <laughs> and, uh, but then they would break down into these, like, really, like, sort of melodic, sort of, like, jangly parts that all of a sudden it's like, so you guys like the Smiths now, huh? You know, like, you know, and and I always I always wondered, like, you know, at that time, if there were any like, I don't know, you know, Megadeth fans who ever like were exposed (laughs) to that, you know what I mean? Like, and what what they would have thought of that, like back then, you know, right. Some random. I don't know. (laughs) That was a (laughs) random thought. But anyway, that just made me think of the gatekeepers of metal. Um (laughs) Maybe that we should change the podcast to the gatekeepers of metal. Oh my god, no! <laughs> People will expect us to know so much about metal. Well, that would be I that don't. would that would be that would be the wonderful thing about it is that we don't ever oh, talk about metal. Yeah, the gatekeepers of metal. <laughs> I'm just thinking of it from a marketing perspective, you know. Ah, uh, I see. Yeah. <laughs> like we could infiltrate right. people that yeah, will hate let's us. Go for it. <laughs> Thanks for tuning in to Gatekeepers, Gatekeepers of Metal, of metal. Today. But we got to say it like metal voices. Thank you for oh. tuning in to Gatekeepers of Metal. <laughs> <laughs> like something like that. <laughs> um, and then we talk about like, go, f- uh, uh, we, we talk about like, um, ah, man, I feel terrible. What was your first pick? Uh, Ganja Sufi. Ganja Sufi. I was going to yeah. say go Fusi. <laughs> But I didn't want to say it wrong. Nodal would be the worst. Oh yeah, that would be bad. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, that's a good point. This isn't metal. (laughs) So go on over to Spotify and listen to Dawn of the Butterfly. This is the least metal thing I've ever heard. (laughs) Ever. Think of all the new people we'd get to pay attention to us. 
Um, so speaking of things that are not metal, how about that new spectral snake tape? Yeah. That's cool. <laughs> yeah. I like it. It is really cool. So that's our review. <laughs> yeah. I was going to say uh, that works for me. Good enough for you guys. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> now, but, um, so spectral snake is a project started by, uh, Brooks Strauss and Angela Barr. Um, and I know Angela's older sister, Julie, from mm. she used to be in Techno Lincoln, which right. uh, was a band that my old band, Discernal Noise Box, played with a lot. And um, I had never met Angela until I saw her play with Spectral Snake a couple of years ago. Um, and it was just her and Brooks. Brooks I've known forever. Brooks has uh, been a fixture in music um around Iowa for a long time he's been in a lot of bands he's done a lot of solo stuff um and uh, yeah this is the latest project I think he's basically kind of devoting most of his time to this project at the moment is that do you know if that's fair to say or yeah I uh well I think so I he put out uh a, another solo record not that long ago, maybe in October. Oh, okay. uh, but those were songs uh, written much earlier. Oh, yeah, like I remember that, yes. 2016 or something, uh, or 2018, some some time ago. Yes. And so he put that out. Um, but, yeah, as far as I know, he's been working on Spectral Snake stuff almost exclusively. Um, sure. Yeah. Um, yeah. So this this tape... I was actually a little confused by because I thought that it had just come out, but this record is actually two years old or almost mm -hmm. two years old. Uh, but it just got released on cassette and it's right. a, it's an EP and uh, Eric and I just thought this would be a, a good thing to review and I couldn't yeah. agree more. Um, so yeah. Um, do you want to go first with this your review, or how sure. do you want to do yeah. it? Okay. Um, so, yeah, I have been lucky enough to be good friends with Brooks and to have played a lot of music with him. Um, not just in Old Scratch, uh, Revival Singers. I always say that as if people know what the hell I'm talking about. <laughs> um, but we were in a band together, well, uh, and that has been we all collectively still like each other, hang out, write music, play music, uh, help each other out with records and things like that. Like, uh, it was, yeah, I still don't think we're broken up, but I mean, other members might think we are. I don't know for sure. Anyway. Um, and so I think, uh, this was Brooks kind of trying to get back to that kind of darkness um that we explored in, in that other group um and but also with his newfound kind of um spirituality or like at least kind of like esoteric thinking and studies that he's done um and so it explores a lot of those things like um you know uh, what it is to be a person or what it is to I don't know. I don't even know. Just like 
to seek uh, further knowledge, you know, deeper things. And I think that's kind of what Spectral Snake does. Um, it's not afraid of darkness at all. Uh, you'll hear it in there. Um, but I think it sees it as a counterpoint to light. You know, I don't think it's all doom and gloom by any means. Um, I, I like the fact that I don't know who exactly wrote these songs or which parts. And even, like I mentioned earlier, I have been playing bass uh, live with this group and have recorded some bass for the next thing that's going to come out. And so I still don't know who is writing the songs, like who's written what parts and how much. And I think that's really cool because um, Brooks and Angie both have a really amazing voices, like their actual voices, but the things they say, they have amazing voices too. Like they talk about things that I want to hear about. Um, and think about and i think that it, it is thought-provoking music and beyond that there it's really good music the songs are great um they're like everything that you might like about brooks's songs uh and his songwriting with an added element of angie's amazing songwriting so um i really can't say enough about it i think it's it's super good um, I'm excited for the next thing to come out. Um, I think people are going to be really stoked on it. So, yeah. Yeah, it's, this is, um, I think I mentioned to this, uh, mentioned this to you uh, uh, kind of before we were recording uh, that I think this is actually maybe one of my favorite projects that Brooks has ever done. Um, mm -hmm. The EP, it's great. Um, and I'm going to just kind of do like a, a track by track. That's kind of my style of when I review um, real quick. Um, cool. Just kind of like talk about the songs individually here. So it starts off with what is it like? And the thing I like about this one is the instrumentation, which, I mean, that's so basic. Uh, it's hilarious because I, I uh, like the instrumentation and, on all of the songs. So that's a really basic description yeah. there. Uh, but I love right away. I mean, I love the back and forth vocals between Brooks and Angela. Uh, I could be completely wrong about this, but I think there's some violin in there maybe. Um, yeah. Angie plays violin. Okay. And uh, yeah. I, that I kind of think I remembered that um, mm -hmm. from when I saw them live. Great guitar. But one of the things that I really like about this, and this is kind of to your point about, the lyrics, um, I really like the line that he sings, and still I wonder what it is like to be human. Because that, I think no other lyric on this EP sums up what you were talking about when you were talking about sort of like exploring, um, you know, the, exploring darkness, you know? Mm -hmm. And exploring, like, you know, just sort of like, well, what it's like to be human, <laughs> you know? Um, right. And spiritual beliefs. That, that line is such a basic line, but I also like the way, I like the delivery of it. Mm -hmm. um, and uh, to me, the lyrics kind of sound like, you know, exploring the idea of what we're doing on this planet. 
Uh, you know, maybe from the perspective of a different type of being, you know, maybe that's what it is. I, you know, I'm not sure what Brooks is. Uh, well, like you said, I mean, I don't even know who wrote the lyrics. It could have been Brooks. It could have been Angela, but whoever, whichever one wrote these lyrics, maybe that's not what they intended. Uh, but that's my interpretation. Um, and I love that. Um, Go Away, Little Monsters, got really awesome bluesy guitar, 50s oldies mm -hmm. kind of vibe, but also like that sort of twangy country, like parts of it almost reminded me of some of the songs on You're Not From Around Here. Um, yeah. And uh, I just love the way, I love how there's like sort of this, If I if I remember correctly, this is the song where they, like Brooks would sing one part, Angelo would sing one part, and then they both started harmonizing together at the end on the yeah. same part, and that was really cool how they did that. Mm -hmm. uh, the third track, I think it's called Homunculus. Homunculus? Homunculus. Homunculus, yeah. okay. Uh, Angelo's doubled vocals on this is just mm -hmm. fantastic. It continues that yeah. 50s, 60s, oldies vibe. Skin, um... This one almost sounds like, almost like a cerebral murder ballad or something. Like it, it kind of yeah. has like this, it's got kind of that classic Burke Strauss, you know, feel like For sure. something yeah. like yeah. this almost reminds me of something I would have heard on like, um, acid casual or something maybe. Mm -hmm. Um, and there's an awesome guitar solo. Truth and darkness probably has some of my favorite lyrics on the entire yeah. thing looking to it's the an amazing song looking yeah. to the sky uh for what's beyond what i can with all the cosmos in my eye i let time escape from me and then awesome harmonizing for the sake of knowledge and the pursuit of progress will sanctify the truth and darkness i mean that's so that's that right there is just such great lyrics so Brooks, yeah. if you're listening to this, I don't know if you wrote the lyrics to that one. Angela, if you're listening to this, I don't know if you wrote <laughs> the lyrics to this one, but both of you guys, just great job. Yeah. yeah. This this is just fantastic. I mean, if, you've, if you're familiar with Brooks's work, um, give it a listen. If you're not familiar with Brooks's work, give it a listen because yeah. <laughs> I'm sure you'll become familiar with it and you'll want to become familiar with it. Uh, but, uh, furthermore, just the addition of Angela, um, just mm -hmm. adds such a feel to, and this is definitely not to put down Brooks's solo work at all, because I like Brooks's mm -hmm. solo work as well, but there's, there's something that Angela brings something to the table that mm -hmm. is just so, um, I guess, um, different. Mm -hmm. you know and, and in a good way in a very good way so yeah yeah they well, definitely balance each other a lot definitely yeah this is yeah this is definitely i mean this you know like i said i'm i'm actually psyched for the um full length when that's going to come out mm -hmm. so um so yeah everybody um go out there and uh listen to spectral snake it's spectralsnake.bandcamp.com yeah. Um, and they also 
Do they still have cassettes for sale? Do you know? I think they may have sold out. So they may have but sold out of the cassettes. Keep checking. Yeah, know, keep checking. Follow it. them on Instagram or whatever. And you'll find out. Yep, they may end up. <laughs> they may end up um, pressing more. You know, you never know. Yeah, who knows? Um. So yeah, the so we covered um, today's podcast in two days. What? A, yeah. How how does it feel to uh, do that? Uh, means we're we're moving up in the world now. We're putting in more hours. We must be doing yeah, something right. We're, we're working hard. <laughs> we're working very very <laughs> hard. So I think that's a that's a that's a thing. That's a thing, ladies and gentlemen. Um, hopefully the um, internet is perfect from now on. Yeah, I'm sure it will be. You know what that? <laughs> you know what that? Um, that's a reference to. No. Perfect from now on is uh, the third built to spill record. Oh, okay. <laughs> that's I one still of... got to get into them. I, I still have it. They're they're one of my favorite bands of all. Did I ever yeah. tell you the story about? Well, you know what? Let's end the podcast first, <laughs> ladies and gentlemen. We are at the uh, hour and a half mark now, so yeah. clearly we haven't made our goal yet. Of staying within forty-five minutes to an hour, but we'll get there. We're trying. We're getting closer. We're, we're getting closer. We're getting. We're backing down. Hold on by like an hour. <laughs> exactly. Good. So, so uh, just stick with us. We'll we'll keep chipping away. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So um, anyway, uh, just want to remind everybody that you can listen to us and download us on both contentmaderight.com as well as um, the Accelerative Thrust. Uh, dot transistor dot fm and you can also listen to us on spotify um we're gonna start doing some youtube videos again really soon i just uploaded a video today that kind of talked about the future of the acceler to thrust youtube channel yes this was a youtube channel before it became a podcast so eric's going to be involved in some future videos and I am <laughs> stoked for that, ladies and gentlemen. Yeah, so stoked. don't let that dissuade you, though. <laughs> <laughs> nah, it it <laughs> shall be it shall be good. It shall be fun, ladies and gentlemen. So I think that's all I got for this uh, podcast. Do you uh, yep. have anything you want to add? Any advice for the listeners? <laughs> Never take advice from me. That's <laughs> all right, ladies and gentlemen. So that's that's the advice. Um, we will hear from you next week.